Hello and welcome. It is Monday. I am your host, Eric Erickson. I hope you have had a great weekend. The phone number is 877-973-7425. I guess I should get into the call screening program. I think I've been doing this for 11 years. I would remember the basics, but every once in a while, I surprise and delight myself. Now, you can follow me on social media at E.W. Erickson if you want all of the latest. Uh, there is breaking news that I've got to give you. And it, well, I didn't think it was breaking news. I got the the text alert that the S&P had fallen into a bear market. And, and I thought, well, it's, it's it's Pride Month. I mean, it, it, of course, Wall Street's going to going to have a bear market uh but nope uh nope this is this is economic news uh the s&p 500 has fallen into bear market territory stocks have dropped it's a brutal day on wall street the dow's down two percent s&p down three percent nasdaq down four percent uh the yield curve has inverted gas prices have gone up or oil crude oil prices are up uh, let me give you the actual numbers as of uh, live timestamp 12.07 p.m. Eastern time on June 13th. The Dow is right now down 644 points. NASDAQ down 416 points. S&P 500 down 112 points. A brutal day on Wall Street. Um, and it looks like it's going to get worse. Now, part of this is more and more data that it's becoming increasingly obvious that the Federal Reserve is probably going to have to send us into a recession in order to stop inflation. That appears now uh, inflation is more aggressive than everybody thought there. Now, listen, I, I got to be clear here. I don't want you to misunderstand the partisan point here. I don't want you to take this as a partisan point. Everyone understated inflation. Everyone said inflation was transitory. Everyone said inflation was no big deal and it would go away quickly. And then they came to realize it was not transitory. And in the process, this is the kicker, the punchline, the tragedy of it all, they underestimated just how bad it would be. The Federal Reserve is now in a situation where it has to cause a recession to stop inflation. The Federal Reserve's chief charge, among all other charges, is to contain inflation. It has to stop inflation. It's its uh, mandated goal, even ahead of uh, trying to level out ebbs and flows of employment in the country. Inflation's its number one priority. And so it has to stop inflation. The Federal Reserve was the one entity that, uh, despite saying publicly in his statements, Jerome Powell, that inflation was transitory. If you actually read the writings of the Federal Reserve and of the individual uh, Fed governors, they knew inflation was coming and they knew it was going to be bad. And even the ones who knew it was going to be bad did not realize it was going to be as bad as it actually is. And fundamentally, that's the problem here. And they're going to have to push the economy into a recession, more likely than not, to slow inflation. And that's not a good thing but that's where we are because they didn't take it seriously until it was too late. Now, uh, that's the breaking news. There's other news out there that we have to uh, deal with as well that is just as significant, I dare say, and that is that uh, there is a um, 
there is a deal on Capitol Hill on guns. It appears that uh, there is a bipartisan deal. There are 10 Republican votes, which is significant because that means there will be no filibuster. The bipartisan deal, I want to walk you through this. This is the other big deal that's happening now. The Senate has reached the gun deal. Uh, Senator Murphy of Connecticut, Cornyn of Texas, Tillis of North Carolina, Cinema of Arizona, Blumenthal of Connecticut, Blunt of Missouri, Booker of New Jersey, Burr of North Carolina, Cassidy of Louisiana, Collins of Maine, Coons of Delaware, Graham of South Carolina, Heinrich of New Mexico, Kelly of Arizona, King of Maine, Mansion of West Virginia, Portman of Ohio, Romney of Utah, Stabenow of Michigan, and Toomey of Pennsylvania. Now, let me run through this list real quick. Uh, Tillis isn't coming back. Cassidy is not coming back. Burr is not coming back. Uh, Mansion, I mean, he's a Democrat. Portman is not coming back. Pat Toomey is not coming back. Uh, so uh, of the Republicans, you basically got five of the 10 Republicans involved. They're not even coming back. Now, Tillis just won re-election, but he's not expected to run again. He's, he's comfortably there for at least five years anyway. Uh, so it doesn't matter. Uh, Romney doesn't care. He is is uh, going to be there for a while. And Graham doesn't care. He's going to be there for a while as well. So these guys don't care. Oh, and Blunt. I forgot. Blunt. Blunt is retiring as well. Uh, so you got six Republicans are retiring. Uh, this is interesting. I want to break you th- down with this. One of the best summations of this and the peop- and the guy giving the best coverage of this is my friend Stephen Gutowski. He's been on the program a lot. If you text the word data, D-A-T-A, if you text data to 33777, I'm going to send you a link. Stephen's opened up this link for everybody to read. So if you text data to 33777, you'll see the list of the senators and the details. I want to walk you through Stephen's coverage of this uh, so that you understand the parameters here. One thing you need to know is that there will be no ban on guns. There will be no assault weapon ban. There's a red flag, model red flag law proposed, but uh, there is no ban on guns. There is is more background check, but let me let me give you the walkthrough now. This again, I'm going to read from Stephen Gutowski's piece. If you text the word data to 33777, you can see it for yourself. If you click the bottom link, the show notes link, uh, and subscribe to my email, you'll get Stephen's piece and a bunch of the other news network pieces uh, summarizing what's going on here. The proposal includes a model red flag law with funding for optional state adoption, expansion of model mental health crisis intervention programs already operating in some states, and an investigative period to review juvenile and mental health records for gun buyers under 21 years old. The package also includes clarification on who needs to obtain a federal license to legally sell guns, expanding gun prohibitions to those convicted of domestic violence misdemeanors against intimate partners they don't live with, and funding for school safety measures. It also includes new punishments for those who buy guns for people who are not allowed to own them. Here's the quote from the senators. Our plan increases needed mental health resources, improves school safety and support for students, and helps ensure dangerous criminals and those who are adjudicated as mentally ill can't purchase weapons. More importantly, our plan saves lives while also protecting constitutional rights. The framework has a long way to go. Each proposal has a sentence of what it's going to be. There's no legislative language. There's no legislative language. Uh, 
McConnell and Marco Rubio, Lisa Murkowski, they're not on board the proposal. Uh, they kind of need to get them on board to a degree. Um, but again, there's a general framework here. Now, this is from the New York Times. The bipartisan gun safety deal announced Sunday is far from what Democrats would have preferred. The proposal, which still has a long way to go, focuses less on the gun part of gun control and more on other factors, including a buyer's mental health or violent tendencies in concession to Republican hesitation and the hard political reality that tough limits on sales and outright bans are out of reach. Though it would not raise the age to buy assault rifles from 18 to 21, the plan would enhance background checks for those under 21 before they could take possession of a gun, perhaps the most significant element. Republicans say enough sentiment exists for a direct age increase, but perhaps not enough to forestall a filibuster. Democrats would much rather ban assault weapons and high-capacity magazines, impose universal background checks, and take other actions, but they'll accept the agreement as a step in the right direction. Multiple Senate Democrats made it clear they were ready to embrace almost anything bipartisan talks could produce. As the talks got underway, it appeared they could collapse, but as the talks continued, they began to find a compromise. Now, this is the most significant change. And Stephen Gatowski, again, if you text data to 33777, Stephen's got a lot of details on this. Essentially, there are some states, I don't believe uh, that it's it's federal law, but uh, there are some states that don't go into the juvenile records of someone who turns 18 and wants to buy a gun. Um, they, they have not delved into mental health records. So if you have someone who has a 16-year-old was committed to a mental health facility, uh, when they turn 18, they can't get access to that for purposes of background checks for firearms. And now under this legislation, they'll be able to. Uh, you could not if someone went to to juvie. For example, the, this is directly related to the shooter in Uvalde, Texas, who had mental health and, and issues as a teen. And because when he turned 18, those things were expunged from his record, uh, he would have been prohibited from buying the gun had those things been in his record. And, and now they'll be in his record and accessible, and it would have stopped a guy like that from buying the gun. That's the most substantive of these so-called gun control measures that are part of the legislation. The other stuff has a lot more to do with treating mental health. There will be, and also there's the red flag component. States, uh, there will be an incentive to enact red flag laws to seize guns temporarily from those deemed a threat to themselves and others. In a long sought change that has been opposed by Republicans in the past, it would also make it harder for those accused of domestic violence to obtain guns, adding dating partners to a prohibition that currently applies only to spouses. Any one of those provisions is likely to draw opposition from Republicans who believe in giving no ground whatsoever on gun safety measures. But the Republicans engaged in the talks believe they have made worthwhile concessions without treading on the gun rights that voters see as sacrosanct. Even if the proposal, proposal could be achieved only because the limited political backlash for the Republicans, four of those involved are retiring and will never face voters again. None of the other six Republicans are on the ballot in November. But the fact that Republicans engaged to this level showed that they're hearing from voters at home. Now, 
What you should also know is that in the House of Representatives, progressives are complaining that the legislation may not go far enough. Interestingly enough, I suspect what you're going to see is that the um, is that the progressives, including people like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and their saber rattling that this does not go far enough, are going to be useful for the Democrats to get it passed. They're going to be able to say to the public, look, our far left fringe doesn't think it goes far enough, so it must be reasonable. And that's where you get it. Uh, Ten Republicans and ten Democrats have signed on to this compromise that gets you past the filibuster. The most significant changes is that uh, when you're 18 to 21, your juvenile mental health and criminal record can be part of the background check to preclude you from buying a gun. And red flag laws, states will be given incentive. Now, this is one of the clear key parts here is that states will not have to pass the red flag law. States will get federal money if they do pass the red flag law. It will not be a federal red flag law. It will be a model law that states can pass, and if they pass it, they will get federal money. So you can still block the red flag component of it at the state level is the current understanding as I'm reading from these multiple sources. Again, the best guy on this is Stephen Gutowski. If you text data to 33777, click on that first link I send back, uh, and that'll be to his uh, reload site with all the details on that piece. Uh, Good site we're subscribing to if you care about the Second Amendment at all. Probably the best site in America you can subscribe to. Nonetheless, that's the update here. Uh, Boilerplate, bottom line things. One, if you're 18 to 21, there will be an expanded background check, and your mental and criminal record as a juvenile can be used in the background check for the first time. Two, there will be a federal model red flag law that will not be at the federal level, but will be for states individually to pass, and they will get federal money for that. And then three, there will be a a prohibition on individuals who have domestic violence against a girlfriend or boyfriend who doesn't live with them. They will be prohibited from being able to buy firearms. It won't, right now, the domestic violence statute prohibits buying guns. If you've been found guilty of domestic violence against a spouse, it will be extended to unmarried partners who don't live with you. Those are the three major changes that are coming. There are a few other things in there. Those are the big three. The biggest, though, will be 18 to 21-year-olds with a juvenile records check as part of the background process. None of what they're proposing will reduce the size of a magazine, will add taxes to firearms, or will ban firearms. The left is very angry about that, uh, that there will actually be nothing uh, to curtail firearms or change the ages for the purchase of firearms in the legislation, including there will be no change to the 18-year-old permission to buy a long-arm rifle. There are a lot of options out there. If you're a self-starter and you want to invest on your own, it can be really confusing. And I'm delighted to tell you about SoFi because that's who I use. And now I've got them as an advertiser. If you're a SoFi user, uh, my gosh, you get all sorts of options, great research. You get the ability to invest in stocks, EFTs, crypto, plan out your retirement. Uh, More importantly, you got people you can call on. I mean, for example, um, I can use SoFi to buy stocks and EFTs and do the deep dive research if I need to and get complimentary financial 
planners ready to help answer questions. Uh, you can too, whether you're stuck on where to start or need help deciding what to do next. You can even save for retirement with traditional Roth and SEP IRAs. They have so many options. If you're into crypto, you can also explore crypto. They've got 30 available coins, Bitcoin, Ethereum, Cardano, Solana, Dogecoin, and so much more. But more importantly, they've got the number one ranked automated investment tool, their robo-advisor. It takes the stress out of building and managing a diversified portfolio without having to pay a bunch of experts to do it. I really like SoFi. Y'all, I've tried, you name it, and I probably tried it. And I settled on SoFi and think you will like it as well. Cut through the jargon, make investing easier with SoFi. Visit SoFi.com slash Eric to learn how you can win up to $1,000 in stock when you open an account. That's SOFI.com slash Eric. Brokerage and active investing products offered through SoFi Securities, LLC. Member FINRA Sipic. There is more breaking news. My goodness. Welcome back. It is Eric Erickson here. The Eric Erickson Show across the nation. The phone number is 877-973-7425. This just in, a federal judge has thrown out a major Biden administration policy that limits who immigration and customs enforcement can arrest and deport uh, to public safety and national security threats. Uh, the Secretary of Homeland Security had said that those who just happen to be illegally inside the United States uh, it cannot be removed just for being here illegally. Uh, the states of Texas and Louisiana sued the Department of Homeland Security after Secretary Mayorkas issued the policy, arguing that it prevents ICE from enforcing immigration law. Federal Judge Drew Tipton, a Trump appointee, has agreed, writing his opinion, the law does not sanction the Biden administration's approach. If you are in the country illegally, you may be deported. That is a uh, federal, now it's it's just one federal district court in Texas, but pretty big stand. The, the Biden administration had argued that being in the United States illegally was not sufficient grounds to automatically deport you, arrest and deport you, that there had to be a national security or public safety threat. And a federal judge in Texas, uh, Judge Tipton, Drew Tipton, I think I know that. I think I know him. In, in any event, um, said nope, not enough, or, or a bad reading of the law. If you're in this country illegally, you can be deported. Oh, I remember. Yes, he's in the Southern District of Texas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know Drew Tipton. Uh, the 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 left went nuts over his appointment. He was a Marine. Uh, and he was uh, retired as a sergeant, and he was appointed in, in January 15th in 2020, uh, and the Democrats fought tooth and nail to stop him uh, and was not very happy with him. Uh, he enjoined the executive order by Joe Biden who halted uh, the, the deportation of immigrants with the 100-day backlog period. He's been very big on the immigration issues. Um, he's down in Houston. He, uh, he's a... Uh, Marine member of the Marine Corps Association, the Federalist Society. Good, good guy. I have met him before. He's a very nice guy. Uh, the American Bar Association was deeply opposed to him, but ha, he's confirmed. Hi there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number, if you'd like to be a part of the program, 877-973-7425. Well, it didn't come today. The Supreme Court opinion. Didn't happen. The Dobbs case. There were just Supreme Court opinions. Uh, not a lot of them very significant today. One of them unanimous. It looks like they're going through the the uh, more junior members of the court first. I have been a defender 
John Roberts, uh, to a degree. I, I definitely think he has moderated uh, his position in the court, but I interpret it as John Roberts' sense of duty as Chief Justice of the United States. And a lot of my conservative friends bristle with that, but I've got some friends in common with Roberts who are all very conservative. Some of the chief funders in the pro-life movement are longtime friends of John Roberts. So I don't doubt, for example, uh, that Roberts and his wife are committed pro-lifers, but he feels a sense of institutional obligation to the court that if he were an associate justice of the court would be more to the right of Chief Justice John Roberts. But one of his ideas, one of his views seems to be that the court will not be bullied. So they're dragging out the Dobbs case. Now, there could be behind the scenes, uh, last-minute negotiations. There could be word changes. There could be legal things. The leaks from the Supreme Court on this, they haven't found the leaker yet. The leaks continue. And it's that no one has offered an alternative to the Alito decision yet. So it appears the Alito decision is going to be it for Dobbs, which in my mind suggests they should release the decision. Last week, in fact, last week, I, so I, if you weren't here last week, if you were on vacation, on Wednesday, it was uh, it, it, <laughs> still kicking myself over being so dumb. Uh, my son wanted onion rings. And Liz Cheney wanted to call and talk to me about the January 6th hearing. I had written that uh, it was it was overblown. Um, it was nonsensical. Nobody really cared. She wanted to call and talk to me about what I had written and explain what they were doing. And I, I'm friends with Cheney's. I'm, I'm, I like Liz, even if we disagree. I, I think she's a fine person. I'm happy to take her phone call. Well, I knew she was calling me at 1130, and my son wanted onion rings for supper. I needed to get him in the buttermilk. And so I was making onion rings in the kitchen, trying to get it done as fast as I could before Liz Cheney called. And I grabbed an onion, didn't even think I, you know, a mandolin that you slice things on vegetables on comes with a big thing you put on top and you hold it so your finger has no chance of getting cut. I just needed to whack off the bottom of the onion to level it out. So I grabbed it and whacked it. It didn't even have the, the handle on top of it and managed to take off three-eighths of an inch of my side of my thumb. I know it was three-eighths of an inch of the side of my thumb because that's what it, the mandolin was set to. So uh, I, Liz calls and I've got to say, I'm sorry, I can't talk. I just cut my thumb off, part of my thumb off. And then the Kavanaugh news is breaking and I can't leave you guys with the best of when there's that much breaking news. So I wrap my hand in a towel. I come into my office. Um, I'm in the home bunker, then the home studio. I break the news that there's been a would-be assassin who wanted to kill Justice Kavanaugh. I have my hand wrapped up in a, in a towel. There's blood everywhere. I'm on blood thinner, so I'm bleeding out all over my desk. Do the first 30 minutes and explain that now y'all have to go to best stuff because I have to go to the emergency room because I cut off part of my thumb. Uh, I was back by the 2 p.m. hour to finish the show. It took them about an hour to stop the bleeding. Uh, the, the By the way, the dock in the box that I went to, it's, it's maybe a mile from the house. So it's not like it, it took me a long time to get there. I wasn't worried. I wasn't worried about like losing a lot of blood from my thumb uh, so I could get there. I was very queasy the whole, but nonetheless... You had a would-be assassin to Justice Kavanaugh. Now, the media has downplayed this extraordinarily. In fact, on the Sunday shows this weekend, uh, the, what, Meet the Press, This Week with George Stephanopoulos, uh, Face the Nation, 
Um, and then whatever the one at State of the Union on CNN, not a single person was asked about the would-be assassin of Justice Kavanaugh. Not a single Democrat, not a single Republican. The Washington Post, I was actually somewhat surprised uh, over on, what, Friday, the no, uh, Saturday, the Washington Post editorial board said that the House of Representatives needs to pass the security measure to protect members of the Supreme Court that they it passed a month ago in the Senate and it needs to go on and pass. Let me let me read you the details. A man traveled. This is from the opening paragraph of the of the Washington Post on Saturday. Kudos to the editorial board for giving it more attention than their newsroom gave it, where they filed it under local crime and buried it in the back of the paper. I'm not making that up. A man traveled this past week from California to the Montgomery County, Maryland home of Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh, allegedly with plans to kill the jurist and then himself. Authorities said he was dressed in black clothes, and carrying a backpack and suitcase that contained a knife, it was a tactical knife, a Glock 17 firearm, ammunition, zip ties, pepper spray, and other items. He thankfully did not carry out his plan, but instead called 911 and turned himself in. It appears mental health issues were at play, but there is little doubt that the presence of two deputy U.S. Marshals stationed outside Justice Kavanaugh's home was a big reason the man broke out of his planned attack. The other items that the Washington Post doesn't cover are he had a hammer, he had a crowbar, and he had other tools designed to penetrate a secured house. So he could smash windows and pry open doors and windows. He wanted to carry this out. He was in his 20s. Last week, the report initially were that he was in his was 46. He was 26. And he found purpose in his life by going to kill Justice Kavanaugh over the uh, Dobbs decision that might roll back Roe v. Wade. He was also upset with the Uvalde uh, school shooting and thought that Justice Kavanaugh would be a pro-Second Amendment voice on the Supreme Court so he could kill him and, and maybe alter two decisions. That that was him. The United States Senate a month ago unanimously passed legislation that would up the security for the Supreme Court justices. Nancy Pelosi and the House Democrats have refused to pass it. The Washington Post editorial page makes an excuse for him and says the House Democrats intend to pass it but can't decide whether court clerks should also get some safety measures. The problem here is that uh, no one's showing up to kill clerks of courts, but they're showing up right now to kill Supreme Court justices. And they're waffling. The House can't get it done. And no one in the media during the major shows on Sunday, during the major Sunday shows, cared to ask about it. Now, I I should tell you that uh, Senator Chris Coons of, uh, what, Connecticut, I think it is. I think he's Connecticut. Yeah, Connecticut. Uh, He was, is he Connecticut or Delaware? Chris Coons. Um, Which one is he a part of? 
Uh, da, 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 Delaware, Delaware, Delaware. My apologies. Uh, Chris Coons was asked of CNN at some point about it. Listen to this answer. Senator, we're getting ready for this this ruling, and oh, it's it was, going to be controversial oh, oh, no matter what. Oh, okay, so now I hear that Brett, that's Brett Bear's voice. So uh, Fox News asked about it on Fox News um, with special report with Brett Bear. So this would have been Friday. So Senator Coons was asked about it on Friday evening on Brett Bear, but no, none of the Sunday shows asked about it. And if it matches the draft leaked draft opinion or not, there is this. This law on the books, I'm just asking, should they follow the law? Should the attorney general say, yes, arrest those people before something happens? Well, Brad, I think uh, if the leaked version of the opinion is matched by uh, what would be a remarkable act of uh, judicial activism, conservative judicial activism, uh, there will be understandable anger uh, across the nation. Uh, as an elected official, I've certainly had protests uh, out front of my house. Uh, many of us have who serve in Congress or in other elected offices. Uh, but we need to make sure um, that all appropriate actions are being taken to ensure the safety of members of our federal judiciary, including Supreme Court justice. Okay. Now, now, this was specifically about there's a federal law. There is a, an existing federal law that says protesting outside the home of a federal judge to influence or alter a decision or opinion is illegal. You can protest outside a member of Congress's home because they're in the democratic branch of government that you elect and your voice should be heard in order to shape their legislation. But it's different protesting outside a judge's home because the judge is there not to be persuaded by the mob. The judge is there to be persuaded by the law. And when people show up outside a judge's home to protest and apply pressure, this law goes back to the 1950s and 60s and desegregation. You didn't want people, mobs showing up outside judges' homes to pressure them to alter their decisions on desegregation. You don't want them you don't want the judges of this country to be bowed by the mob, to be pressured by the mob. And so the law is in place. Merrick Garland, the attorney general, a former federal judge, is refusing to enforce that law. He's refusing to enforce that law. And Senator Coons of Delaware, a few days after a would-be assassin showed up to kill Brett Kavanaugh, refuses to say the attorney general should enforce the law. Now, I, I just, uh, I'm sorry, um, I, I'm, I'm a little bit confused here. I was told that not following the law undermines our democracy. I, I was told that not following the law undermines our democracy and our constitutional institutions. And here now, the Democrats are not saying the Attorney General should follow the law, nor is the Attorney General actually enforcing the law. So I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm perplexed here. I mean, there's clearly, clearly a double standard at play here. And when you've got on Sunday, and, and so I, I was told that Brett Baer on, on Fox News, that that was actually from this weekend, Brett Baer filled in for the Fox News Sunday show. But the other ones, ABC, CBS, NBC, CNN, and MSNBC, uh, did not ask anybody about that. Um, it's just remarkable how quickly they moved on. Now, just ask yourself this. Just ask yourself, hypothetically. It's Ruth Bader Ginsburg and someone wearing a red MAGA cap 
shows up with a Glock 17, a tactical knife, tools to break into her house, zip ties, and says that uh, he's there to murder her and kill himself. What do you think the reaction from the press would be? What do you think the press reaction would be? I, I, I would, would suggest to you that we would still be talking about it today. If it happened on Wednesday, we're now the following Monday, it would still happen. It would, we would still be having the coverage. And yet, it happened to a conservative member of the court, and by Sunday, the Sunday talk shows could not even bother talking about it. They couldn't even weave it in to like the Second Amendment gun control discussion. They couldn't even bother to do it that way. They simply chose to ignore it. But tell me how awful January 6th is. We'll get to the January 6th stuff. They're having the hearings right now. It's not very significant. We'll get to them. Uh, For the left, it is, but I want to talk about that as well later as to why it's not that significant or or put it in proper context for you. Right now, i got to tell you about Gold Co. Have you seen the markets today? Again, the S&P has fallen into a bear market, uh, signaling they think a recession is coming. The yield curve has inverted again, signaling a recession is coming. Uh, The markets are down because there's a growing uh, recognition that Jerome Powell of the Federal Reserve is going to have to uh, probably drag us into a recession to stop inflation. We're seeing 40-year high inflation, it might be time to call my friends at Gold Co. See if gold and silver can protect and grow your money. Thousands of retirees are protecting their retirement savings. Many are getting $10,000 or more in free silver with Gold Co. for doing it. So call Gold Co. at 855-904-5933. At the very least, call them and get the free wealth protection kit to learn how to use gold and silver to protect and grow your money. They've been helping thousands of Americans protect their retirement against inflation. Start market crashes. They may be able to help you. At least get the free wealth protection kit. Again, uh, learn how to use gold and silver to protect and grow your money. Now, uh, instead of giving you the 800 number again, let me just text it to you. Make it easy for you, easy for me. You don't have to write it down. This is easy. Just text the word Eric, E-R-I-C-K. That's my name. Text it to 33777. I will send you Gold Coast phone number. The phone number is 855-904-5933, but just text Eric to 33777, and I will text you back their number. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425, should you wish to be on this here program. Glad to have you listen. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to take phone calls at this particular moment. Uh, just be patient if you stay on the phones, cause we don't have a lot of time here and I want to make sure that I'm able to get to everybody's, um, get to everybody's phone call and do them justice. I always hate it. It's one of my chief complaints when I'm bad with my clock. And I know you guys hate it as well, um, that I, I jump in and suddenly, um, realize I've only got a minute left. This hour of the program, by the way, is brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loan. Wherever you are nationwide, they can help your business grow. If you are looking for a large loan, $750,000 or more, you want to reach out to my friends at First Liberty and see if they can help you. They make their own lending decisions. Uh, a lot of banks are giving people a hard time now, particularly businesses right now in this economy. First Liberty has been doing this since the 90s. They know the ebbs and flows of the business environment. They might be able to help you. So reach out to them. Tell them I sent you. Spend 10 minutes with them. FirstLibertyGA.com. You can get all their contact info there. FirstLibertyGA.com. Now, when we come back, 
I'll take your phone calls, 877-973-7425. We've got to get into some of the, just the raw politics of the day. There's a lot of news out there, but part of the news that's out there is, well, over to you, Brett Bear. But between his age and the, you know, the, the success of his first term, what are Democrats going to do in 2024? Something else, it looks like. I mean, it, the whisper is now much louder in just the past few weeks. And the president's public uh, efforts, including that Jimmy Kimmel appearance, have not helped anything. Uh, in fact, they've, they've only increased what has been happening in Democratic circles. This is not, these are not, you know, Republicans. These are not conservatives mm-hmm. like lobbing grenades rhetorically. They are Democrats saying we have a real issue, a major issue in the words of David Axelrod. So I expect that to increase. Um, and depending what happens in the midterms and if it if the election were held tomorrow it would be a massive red wave yes yes it would and i've made a montage i did this myself i'm proud of myself i want you to hear it pay attention to the very first bit three consecutive american presidents have enjoyed stints of explosive economic growth due to a boom in oil and natural gas production as president would you be willing to sacrifice some of that growth even knowing potentially that it could displace thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of blue collar workers in the interest of transitioning to that greener economy? The answer is yes. That's $7.29 a gallon for a small car with a 12 gallon tank. It would cost you $87 to fill it all the way up. Number one, no more subsidies for fossil fuel industry. No more drilling on federal lands. No more drilling, including offshore. No ability for the oil industry to continue to drill, period. Gas prices are so high, the Isabella Isabella County Sheriff's Office here says they've actually blown through their fuel budget already, so they will respond to some non-emergency calls by phone. I've never seen anything like Putin's tax on both food and gas. You know, you hear the clip over and over and over of Biden saying, end oil's ability to drill, period. But that very first one, Tim Alberta asked him the question, are you willing to wreck the economy and put people out of employment to transition us. And he said, yes, yes. 